A road is just a road, but a Jeep SUV isn't just an SUV. Come see for yourself at the Jeep Start Something New sales event. During Owner Appreciation Month, finance get $3,750 total cash allowance on the purchase of select 2020 Jeep Compass Latitude 4x4 models in dealer stock the longest. On oldest 20% inventory of 2020 Jeep Compass Latitude models as of 1-3-2020 in dealer stock. Financing for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 2-3-2020. Jeep is a registered trademark. I am John Cryer, and this is The Undisclosed Addendum. The second episode of HBO's documentary, The Case Against Adnan Syed, started laying some groundwork about how the case would be presented by prosecutors, but it also had a few new bombs to drop. And like last week, we have got one of the subjects of the documentary with us here today. So we've got uh, Susan Simpson, our usual suspect, uh, as it were. Welcome to the show, Susan. Hey, John. Hey, but we also have uh, Laura Trujillo, who was a classmate of Adnan and Hayes. And Laura has the distinction of being one of the only person who knows everyone who is involved. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So can you describe what your relationship with Adnan and Hay was like uh, back then? Well, my relationship with Adnan and Hay was uh, more on like the classmate levels. And then in the summers, whenever we, cause Stephanie was my best friend and Adnan lived a pretty much right around the corner from Stephanie. Uh, we would play basketball all day and all the guys would come over and Adnan would come and play basketball and hang out. Um, as far as like, hey, we would, I played soccer and she played lacrosse and field hockey. So our locker rooms were next to each other. So we saw each other all the time, even in class too. So we were always like supporting each other, you know, cause of the girls teams and um, cheering each other on and just, you know, always interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. Wait, so did you know Stephanie when she and Anon had whatever they did in middle school, their dating or their... No, I didn't know Stephanie, but she always would say, like she talked about it, but it wasn't really like they were together. You it's know? middle it's school, like so like... <laughs> yeah, it's like a middle school thing, you know, and she always saw him as like a a brother, you know, a friend. Not, like, I didn't ever see any kind of relationship there. Just curious, did you ever see that note that was written on the back of, I think it was a prom photo? Uh, no. Stephanie had written to Anon, and she'd written something like, like, I'll always wonder what might have been. No, I didn't, I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, it's actually, it's in the documentary. And yeah, I had, I had the same question. It was, it seemed like it was hinting at more um, and hinting that there might have been something in high school that might have been. Yes, exactly. Um, but in the actual documentary, uh, Laura, you were introduced, or at least in this most recent one, as in terms of a relationship to Jen and to Jay. Now, was Jen also on the sports teams? Yeah, I played softball and soccer with Jen. I actually met Jen through the soccer team. Uh, I believe we started to become close about sophomore year. And we were just, you know, pretty much always together after we started hanging out in sports, after sports. Um, that was pretty much my group there with, with Stephanie, Jay, Jen. If I wasn't with Jay or Stephanie, I'd be with Jen and her brother or Krista. Um, I didn't hang out too much with Debbie, Aisha, uh, Becky. So I was pretty much around with everyone, but I was more 
the closest with, aside from Krista, with uh, Jen and Jay and Stephanie. Mm -hmm. And were you aware, like I didn't know that, at least in the documentary, Jen uh, admits to that she sold pot, uh, I guess, with Jay or uh, now, was that something you were aware of at all? Yeah, I knew that. Mm -hmm. Was it like the impression it was like a huge secret? (laughs) No, it wasn't a huge secret. I mean, they it was known amongst the potheads um, where, you know, usually know where you can who's cool and where you can get stuff from. I didn't ever see Jay as like a dealer or, you know, selling pot like it's he's alluded to in the past of large amounts. So that kind of like that part's always like kind of fuzzy for me. I'm like, I don't remember him being like such a huge dealer. Oh, like in the Intercept interview when he yeah suggests that he was say, like big time. Yeah, he was big time. And I don't ever remember anything like that, though. Yeah, yeah I don't he, think there's much evidence of that. <laughs> he also suggested at one point that one of the reasons that Adnan would call him when he, oh, I don't know, murders somebody was because he was somehow uh, part of the criminal element uh, was the words that he used. Did that feel accurate to you, Laura? <laughs> no. No. OK. <laughs> no. <laughs> OK, no. that's a very specific I, reaction. <laughs> it did it because he wasn't the – I mean, Whitlong was like – like Krista says, it was like such a hodgepodge. But we had a large amount of inner city kids that would come into uh, Whitlong. So we had some pretty rough, you know, individuals that were 10 times tougher than Jay that were more of a criminal element, even from what I knew, than someone like Jay. Uh, Jay was always trying to, you know, between Stephanie and then trying to keep up like a tough guy image um, where just his presence alone, because he was so tall and he had piercings and he would dye his hair and he was like, you know, Dennis Rodman asked, he had Dennis Rodman the worm shoes when they came out uh, just by his presence alone he was a little intimidating but um, I always just remember him um, not being a criminal element he just was eccentric you know and when all this like after Hay disappeared did you keep in contact with Anand and Jay? Um, I would keep in contact with it I think I might have uh, no when Hay disappeared like you said, we 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 didn't really it didn't really sink in for us that she was gone because we all we thought that she was in California or she was in Dawn with Dawn. So, um, but I did hang out with Jay, and even after the whole, I mean, now that I'm watching, especially when you start going through the timeline of when Jay's being questioned, uh, I remember instances hanging out even after I hung out with Jay well into when I went to. Probably my sophomore year in college, I was still hanging out with him whenever I would come home and Jen. Uh, so, but with Krista, um, I would keep in touch. I, I was more like hearing from Krista how everything's gone. She was like the mama goose. I've always seen you as having sort of a, a strange role in this case and that you have no in, in knowledge of the case, no role in speak. That you work right in the middle of everyone who supposedly was involved in this conspiracy. Yeah, like that's every what single I was, day. <laughs> I know. That's what um I was actually talking to my friend Ernest, who um would also hang out with Jay. I think he's one of the ones that's known Jay the longest since they were um little kids. And we 
actually talked about how easy it would have been for us to have been in the car for if Jen went to go get Jay at Westview Mall or, you know, because we were always hanging around. So it would have been nothing for us to be in like those spots. But we, for the grace of God or something, we weren't there. We were, you know, I probably was working. I just don't, I'm, that baffles me too. I think about it all the time, how I hung out with these people and they're like your high school friends, you know, you're with them more than you're with your family. Stephanie, I practically lived at Stephanie's house. Uh, not to say that my family at home wasn't great. It was a great middle class, but you're 16, 17, 18. The last thing you want to do is be home. And it's amazing to me that no one it's said anything. Like, even when Jen talks about um, how she didn't know that Jay was telling 10 different stories to everyone, that's a testament to see that nobody talked about anything. Because I'm sure if we would have talked about something like this, then we'd be like, wait a minute, Jay said this to this person, and Jay said that, but no one talked to each other about this. Yeah, I want to know, when did you finally find out about what the state's version of this murder was? Uh, you know, because it seemed like it was a surprise to most people involved what the state was saying what happened. Uh, when I talked to Sarah was the first time we found, I found, um, I knew that Jen was involved and I didn't even know that she was in court. I mean, it's not like I didn't know Jay went to court. I knew Krista went to court and I knew Aisha and Debbie because they talked about it. You know, um, she told me when she was sitting outside and and on walk by. I remember that. But, you know, as far as Jen and, and Jay and I mean, I even know Christy. Uh, no one talked about it. It's so just, you didn't even know Jen was a witness? No, I didn't know anything until serial until Sarah told me. She's like, well, you know that Jen helped Jay uh, dispose of, of the shovels or, you know, uh, take him to get the, the shovels and supposedly the pickaxe, but she never saw. I didn't know any of that. I what did know, you, what'd you I, think Jay's role was? I couldn't believe that he was, you know what it was? It's, it was baffling because I never saw them hang out. I didn't know what extent. And then when Sarah told me, I was, I didn't know. I was just, I was just shocked. So you thought he was just like another witness like Krista or someone? You didn't know? I didn't know he was being called up. Oh, you didn't know he he testified, period. No, I didn't know he testified, period. I didn't know Jen testified, period. I didn't know Krista. I just knew Debbie, Aisha, and and, Christy, actually Christy. I didn't know that she testified about it. Yeah, and you didn't know that Jay supposedly had uh, helped him bury the body. Not until um, Sarah said it. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big deal. And yet you had spent a fair amount of time with Jay after the incident had occurred, supposedly. And there was no, you know, it, it obviously didn't come up. No, man, like not even like you would think if it was like a rough day or something, you know, we all have bad days and you want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Nope, nothing. Uh, did I did Stephanie to... ever mention it? Because I know that she no, was there at sentencing. Stephanie never mentioned it. The only extent that um, I remember when they arrested Adnan and it was just, I was just completely shocked because for me it felt like we lost two friends um, within a matter of weeks. And I remember sitting in art class and I was, um, you know, I was shy. I was sad. I was depressed. I, was, I just, I didn't know. I was kind of like, 
a zombie, I would say. Um, and I remember her telling me, uh, he did it. That's the end of it. Let's move on. Like, get over it. You know? Oh, that was and Stephanie. That was, yeah, that was Stephanie. And that was the only time she addressed it. And that was it. There's nothing else ever spoken about it again. Because with Stephanie, once she, you know, she said that, you know, I just let it go. I'm not going to keep. I started to talk more to Krista, you know. Um, I would talk to Stephanie's mom a lot, Miss Kathy, because Stephanie didn't want to talk about it. Just how I felt, how um, I can't believe this isn't right. They have the wrong guy. Uh, but I never talked to Stephanie after that about it. Look, I'm here to confess, I love good hair products. I have spent my life looking for the right shampoo and conditioner for my hair. I will try anything, and I have that bathroom shower stall that has like 10 different kinds of shampoo and conditioner bottles. It's embarrassing, but there it is, because I'm always looking for the right thing. Well, I recently stopped looking because I found the best custom-made shampoo just for my hair because you know what we don't all have the same hair so why in the world would we have the same shampoo and conditioner well function of beauty brings you shampoos and conditioners that are customized and individually filled just for you people the bottles even have your name on it i can't even believe it they have my name on it it says robbie on it uh, look most drugstore brands only address a single problem like you know you can volumize or strengthen or whatever but with function of beauty you can choose up to five hair goals to add to your formulation what do you want do you want your hair to be shinier bouncier fluffier thicker you pick it total customization they individually formulate every single bottle for you based on your hair type your hair goals and your preferences and this is so cool you get to select the color of your product do you want your shampoo to be green or blue or whatever and even a fragrance or if you don't like fragrance you can get dye free and fragrance free shampoos too function of beauty also never uses sulfates parabens mineral oils or any other harmful ingredients all of the ingredients are safe and natural they're also vegan and cruelty free a hundred percent you get salon level quality at a better price People and Instagram are loving it. Function of Beauty is the internet's top-rated customized shampoo with over 10,000 five-star customer reviews and counting, and you can include mine. You can check out Function of Beauty today because our listeners will receive 20% off your custom formula. To claim it, all you gotta do is go to functionof.com. That's F-U-N-C-T-I-O-N-O-F, functionof.com slash undisclosed. Right now, and take the two-minute hair profile quiz and design your 100% unique shampoo and conditioner formulas. Once again, go to functionof.com slash undisclosed right now and redeem 20% off your first order at functionof.com slash undisclosed. One more time, that's functionof.com undisclosed. You know how to spell undisclosed, but it's U-N-D-I-S-C-L-O-S-E-D, functionof.com slash undisclosed. Krista remembers you guys going to the principal to voice support for uh, Adnan. Do you have any recollection of that? Yeah, I remember after we were in the counselor's guidance counselor's office and they were telling us it was the next day um, that they arrested Adnan and they were telling us that they have the right person that they don't make mistakes pretty much um pretty much <laughs> that the like they totally convinced us that they had the right person like that the whole thing of like 
I'll never forget the detective saying that Heath had the person that killed, you know, the murderer with the murder weapon in their hand covered in blood saying that they didn't do it. So they definitely, like, were strong on, they got the guy, they said there's DNA evidence linking him, and that's when me and Chris were like, this is bullshit. Like, he, they were together, so of course his fingerprints would be in the car. And we, me, her, and Becky went to uh, Dr. Wilson's office to say, hey, um, even if it's like a character, you know, characterization of who Adnan is, or just even say that's not him, just some way of communication. And we were pretty much shut down. Did they say where they got that information from? No, they never told us where they got that information from. It was um, just, it was pretty much just like, they're not going to make a mistake. They're not going to arrest guys. And a lot of the adults in our lives, too, Aisha said it, you know, said cops don't make mistakes like this. Uh, now, I was curious because a lot of the time when you get information like that, that sounds so damning and that a close friend of yours, somebody you used to you know play basketball with, um, is actually a murderer. Do you like go back over your interactions with them and try to see, OK, were there clues? Did you reassess Adnan or did you just stay you know, sure that he wasn't the guy? I sure it was. No, instantly. We knew it wasn't him. That's not Adnan. Adnan's not capable of that. Instantly. There was never any doubt of that. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you what made you so sure? He just I you spend what four years together. You grow. You're in the same classes. Uh, he played football. He was doing track. I never saw him get pissed off. You know, like we all have moments, even if it's like a stressful situation or. Just high school stuff. Adnan was never one to get mad, ever. Now, if you're going to ask me, have I seen Jay get mad? Hell yeah, I've seen him get mad a lot of times. Hell yeah, I've seen him lose a temper. And I've seen him go from zero to, like, angry. Yeah, not Adnan. Got it. So if somebody had said to you, you know, Jay had murdered Hay, you wouldn't have gone to the principal in that particular situation. Um, I would have gone because the confusion part of me for that statement would be, well, Jay didn't know Hay. Mm -hmm. He didn't hang out with Hay. Aside from just seeing her in like the hallways or like, you know, at the, you know, whenever he would come watch Stephanie play. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have any association with Hay as far as from what I saw. He knew who she was, but not, not more than that. Yeah. He didn't like hang out with her or like, if you know, we didn't mm -hmm. go to the mall with all that, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to ask about the culture of lending each other your cars uh, only because uh, because <laughs> I grew up in by that. <laughs> yes, I grew up in New York City. Really? There was there was only one kid with a car. Uh, his name was Tony. Uh, <laughs> he was real popular. <laughs> he was very popular, but he guarded it with his life. And it was a huge old caddy. And we would pile, you know, eight to twelve kids in that, in the in the uh, four door. Uh, um, whenever we could. And it was, you know, uh, incredibly unsafe. And, you know, but we were we were idiots <laughs> yeah. in 1983, you know. Um, but it sounds like it was a very typical thing for you guys to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I gave my car to Jay and Ernest all the time. 
in hindsight, know, do, you ever, <laughs> do you wonder about I that? I didn't even think about it. Yeah, I didn't even think. I mean, even there's like one or two instances where it's gotten like a little fender bender. Um, in hindsight, yeah, that wasn't the smartest. You got to like think though, like these, like, especially with Jay, uh, it was like, he was like my brother. Like I would get up and take Jay to work. If he needed a ride to work, I would take him to work. You know, it was like almost like he wasn't as fortunate as like Stephanie or me or anyone. Cause he had like such a rough upbringing of, you know, his grandma and his mom and his dad and everything. And uh, it's like, you do whatever you can to help out, you know, your friends. And at that time, I had, I trusted Jay. I didn't have, I got my car back every time. <laughs> and <laughs> peace, you know, it wasn't anything that, um, I don't, I mean, my parents, of course, were like, don't let anybody drive your car. But it was just so common for us. Like, it was effortless. Like, if I knew you then and you needed my car to go do something, all right, go ahead. You know, like, I didn't think of, like, what if there's an accident or something happens and you're liable and all those adult things that go through your head. No, that didn't occur to us. So, <laughs> so some people from Woodlawn have mentioned that Jay had a reputation for, like, I guess, telling tall tales would be one way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, he would tell stories. <laughs> like, when you, what do you mean he by that? storyteller. Like, just, you know, whenever you're just hanging out and telling, like, he just would tell, like, stories of, like, let's say you would be like, cause he beat, cause there's a friend Patrick and they would be a max ride bike ride around or something. And um, Patrick would tell how it is. And Jay would always kind of exaggerate on like how sick his ride was or things like that, you know, like, but he always exaggerated stories where you, to the point where you're like, man, you're, you're, that's, that's bullshit. You're full of shit, you know? And every now and then, you would realize that they would, you know, something would happen. You're like, oh, shit, he was telling the truth on that one. And I was actually just talking to my friend Ernest the other day about that, too, how he would um, exaggerate and tell tall tales. And it's true. I mean, he had a way of telling the stories. If if even watching Jen talk, how if the grass, he says green, he's going to make you think it's blue by the end. <laughs> he just he, had that way. You mentioned Patrick. Which Patrick is this? Patrick, he was Jay's friend, the one in serial that Jake that he kind of pressed a little bit. And he said, like, I hope that, you know, Jay's hand was somehow forced to defend Stephanie in doing something like this. This isn't he, the one he called that day, is it? N- no, I know that there's two Patrick's. OK, by the way, that there's a Krista and a Christie and an Asia and an Aisha. <laughs> You you people are killing me. Uh, I, <laughs> is there a Laura and a Laurie? Is there is there just every possible permutation of a name that's just similar enough to confuse me? Uh, <laughs> uh, I had a question actually. Uh, Jen is. It was great to have a face to you know this person that has been talked about quite a bit, obviously on undisclosed and in in serial. And so you really got to know her. You, it sounded like you guys were really, really close. I mean, if somebody asked you, just to, you know, tell me about your friend Jen, what would you say? Oh, man, what didn't we get into together? I mean, we were always together from the moment that we met. We, uh, you know, every spare moment. If, that's why I, I think I started to – Stephanie was playing more basketball. I stopped playing basketball. I started to hang out with more Jen. 
um, and Ernest and her brother Mark. And she's just, you know, she's just a great person. She'll always have your back. Um, she doesn't always make the right decisions, but she's just a good human being inside her family. They're great people. Uh, that was like another home to me. It's just, you know, sitting and looking. Sometimes when I look at Jen, because our paths were so identical on certain decisions, we kind of split and went our way. I went and studied to college and she stays home. And sometimes I look at kind of like a mirror of what my life could have been if I would have made those decisions and stayed home with Jen. So um, I miss her. We She would come and visit me in college and we would hang out all the time, driving around, going to parties. We worked together. We had a really, really special friendship. I mean, I still talk to her brother on Facebook every, you know, passing, and he sees me as like his big sister. But she would have been carrying this very big secret. And it's interesting that you guys were so close and she didn't confide in you about any of it, uh, correct? I think, yeah, and I think about that, and I think a lot of it is protecting us because it's it's probably so much. It doesn't, I wouldn't put it past her to uh, not talk about it. And at the same time, you know, if you, they had a rough day at the court and we're just hanging out, it's the last thing you want to continue to talk about is, like, how shitty your day was. You just want to take a break and relax and play video games and just you'd be kids, you know, and talk about mm -hmm. the regular stuff that's going on. So do you recall the 13th at all? Do you have any uh, memory of that day or what happened? Yeah, like, I don't, uh, even after they found, hey, Krista asked me that question, she specifically asked me, do you remember seeing Adnan on the 13th? And aside from um, just hallway stuff. I don't remember um, much of the 13th, which uh, uh, it gets me because it's Stephanie's birthday. So I remember that she did have a basketball game and I'm almost positive I went to the basketball game. I believe it was like a championship. I don't recall because I, I stopped playing and I would still go see her play. Um, and I want to say that that was spaghetti night at Miss Kathy's. So I think we came back and had spaghetti, but the details of the day, mm -mm. not even after when they arrested Adnan, Krista would always be asking, do you remember anything? Do you remember seeing him? She would ask all of us. You, you know, remember seeing Jay? All of anything. Don't I mean, remember seeing would you Jay have seen day. him probably if he came by to see Stephanie? Yeah. If he, if he came by or, well, if if I was like around, yeah, because like they could come by and then they could be sitting up in the back of the school, you know, in her car, or um, I would just probably be in the gym lobby. But he wouldn't really show up. I think at, until after, because she, if she had a game, then it was pretty much class ends and you go down to the locker room to be with your teammates, or you get pizza from Miss Butler. And you get ready because um, they were pretty strict about uh, the basketball team and the ethic of everybody just being together and getting ready and getting focused for what we had to what they had to play. 
Well, I remember that night, supposedly Jay came by to see Stephanie. It had to have been after the game. Yeah, yeah, it was like eight or nine. It was afterwards. Yeah, yeah. It might have so been probably you wouldn't have been a spaghetti night? <laughs> no, I don't remember seeing him. He wasn't really accepted at Stephanie's parents' uh-huh. house. Her parents, like, didn't like him at all. At all. And Miss Kathy made it known that she couldn't stand Jay. So he wasn't welcoming. She point. <laughs> yeah, she just didn't want, she hated, she would, she, we would talk, <clears throat> Miss Kathy would talk to me at once because she was like my best friend's mom, but she was also like the mom that I could talk to. And she would ask, she's like, what does she see in him? Like she would, she would always call him like a slug. She was like, he looks like a slug. He's not going to do anything. He's not going to amount to anything. I know. I was oh, it's hard. She couldn't stand if it was any boyfriend that, you know, and she was with him all through high school. Yeah, it's her high school. It was a long one. She hated, Kathy hated him. Like she just did. And, you know, Mr. Clyde was always more cordial with Jay, you know, on a guy level in their interactions because Jay, you know, he, he said, yes, sir. You know, he's respectful to Miss Kathy's parents because he was always trying to get them to like him. But they just, they weren't buying it. They knew he was bad news. When do you think her parents found out about all this? Did they Probably, find out? <laughs> oh, no, they were a close family. So, like, if soon as if they called Stephanie in, they, I know Miss yeah. Kathy was there. If the cops talk, the cops talked to her. I'm they did. Positive. Miss Kathy was there. So as soon as they called her, Stephanie told her mom right away. Right away. They they didn't. It wasn't. It was such. You didn't keep anything. It was such an open family, versus my family was like we didn't talk about anything. You know. So like they were that family that I could. I had like Leslie, a little sister, and. But if yeah, they knew, I it's hard to, like, how do you let your teenage daughter date someone who helped with a murder? Because they, oh, they, they stayed together, it. didn't they? they? Yeah, they stayed together, yeah. They oh, they forbidden it, you know. Okay. It so. didn't stop. It wasn't like they were like, okay, no. They, they actually really. said, we don't want you to see him anymore, you know. And that's when, you know, you're like, I'm going to go over to your house, but I'm really with Jay, you know, like, happens. So there's but, the can of forbidden romance. Yeah, like, and it's crazy how you look at it now. It seemed like everybody was in like a forbidden romance that the parents didn't like so and so or couldn't be like a normal high school uh, love affair or whatever. But Jay wasn't, no, they didn't like him at all. So it seems like Stephanie, uh, when she was saying to you that uh, he did it, you know, that that being the smallest amount of your, uh, you know, communication about it. Do you think that's because she got that from the police? Um, do you think she had a, a, one of those moments or do you think she might have gotten that from Jay? I think she got it from Jay. I'm almost positive it's from Jay. Jay, uh, whatever Jay said, Stephanie believed. I don't know if that's true now, you know, at that time. Whatever Jay told her, uh, she believed it. She loved him. And she wanted, she would do anything for him. And he would do anything for her. But she it was really more her doing, you know, more on him, you know. He needed some money or needed a car or cell phone. He needed her to help her help him get a job. You know, Stephanie did all that. Did you ever go to the porn store? 
Did I? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I might. I don't remember. I remember him working at the point store. I might have picked him up once or twice. I don't. But I do remember him working at that <laughs> that porn store. <laughs> he I mean, had a lot of jobs. You know, he he. I think uh, freshman year, early on, Jay also worked for the parks, state parks, clearing trails. Oh, the tires, yeah. Yeah, he did that. He worked at PetSmart when it first opened. Hollywood Video. He did some construction. Um, he worked at the porn store, like wherever he could get a job, he pretty much worked. Wait, state parks? Which, uh, what, what did Patasco. he do at state parks? Like Patasco. Oh, okay. Okay, it wasn't uh, like Lincoln Park, perhaps. No. I don't know, okay. The other murder Just... park, the one they first yeah. went to. Yes, actually, I meant to ask you this, uh, Laura, was, was Lincoln Park known as a dangerous place? Yeah, it was known where bodies were found. At least I knew it because I would hang out with Jen, and we would go down the way, down Edmondson, more towards the city part, being in the parts where we don't necessarily should be, um, especially, I mean, down by the projects, you would hear people or when we would be hanging out, people would talk about how or they found another body in Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. That was known, but that's the thing that's always like baffling to me, even like all the cell phone tower stuff before all that stuff came to light. Um, when Sarah was telling me, you know, I remember thinking Adnan never knew those locations. The only place, the only person that knew was Jay. And I've been to those locations with Jay, especially Patasco State Park to the cliff, even with Jen. And like, I could never get there, get to those places without them telling me where to turn. So that was always baffling to me because I'm like, Adnan would have never been in those areas. He didn't even know that the city line was so close. For me, I, when I heard the layout of their traveling supposedly after the murder had occurred, it makes no sense. Uh, it makes no rational sense. It's like, first we'll go to the park and ride and leave the car there. Then we'll go score some pot. Then we'll go get, I mean, it. it uh, we'll go to Tasco once, then the other park, Tasco, and then we'll go to Lincoln Park, and then we'll go to the Players Club. Oh, what was the Players Club? Lot. Do you know? No, it wasn't the uh, pool halls. I don't, I don't remember. Where was that at? Where was I that have no place? idea. Jay just talks about they're going to the Players Club in his first interview. And then never comes. It goes away after that. But I've always wondered what, like, what, why the Players what, Club? Yeah, unless it's like a local little bar or something. Uh, I don't it was on Belvedere, that. wherever. Yeah. I mean, that does sound like a pool hall name. It does, yeah, possibly. Because like, I know Jay played pool. And I know he would play pool uh, up on, uh, I think it's 40. And they're like kind of across from each other too. I think it was like Blue Jays or something. Man, John, have you ever seen the map I made of the the route they took that day? No, I have not actually. I will uh, send it to you. I made it on Google Maps. It's like a crazy like, it just like 
I mean, how many tanks of gas they burned through driving that? Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, obviously, uh, you know, Anon is not an experienced criminal. Uh, as far as, you know, the, in terms of the evidence, he's not a criminal at all. But, you know, you can justify a certain amount of confusion after something like some kind of event like that. Like, you you know, you don't know what to do. Uh, how would you dispose of a body? I wouldn't know how. Uh, I might drive around aimlessly. And I doubt that I would go buy pot, uh, even if I enjoyed pot. But, like, why are you going to – I don't understand if Jay's supposed to be this big dealer. Why are you yeah, going to go buy pot? That, that never made sense. So, like, your dealer – doesn't have pot you gotta go buy pot from the down the way we call it down the way from some dude on the corner but yeah. he's supposed to be this dealer you know like so your dealer doesn't ever have any pie <laughs> he didn't say he was a good dealer <laughs> yes <laughs> because he was a pretty poor dealer yes yeah and um, and, and they didn't take him seriously <laughs> Now, it must be odd for you to watch the documentary and see your friends and see, uh, you know, a part, an era of your life portrayed. Has anything, and I asked uh, uh, Krista this question as well, has anything jumped out at you as, you know, people are getting the wrong idea. It was like this. Is, is there anything like that that you'd love to correct at this moment? Uh, no. I mean, I think Amy and the team did a great job of telling our story and um, representing us the way that in the light that we should i haven't come across anything that no not that i can think of i think it's been recently no i haven't talked to jen in a couple years i have her on facebook and um i know we comment on each other's stuff uh i think it's probably like it's probably been like eight years or something like that i guess it I just don't know what to say. <laughs> so much, you know what I mean? Like, how do I start that conversation? I don't even think. I mean, I think we could we would pick up where we left off. You know, um, it'd be an awkward first that, call. <laughs> yeah, it would be an awkward first call. And I know she's been through some stuff, and I know that her life hasn't really been that easy. Um, and you know, she's struggled with some issues, and so. Uh, yeah, it's just so much time passes. Um, I don't know what to say, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Stephanie, you know. Um, and I even, I tried, I found an old email address of hers, because sometimes we keep email, our first email addresses ever, you know. And uh, I emailed her after the premiere to... Um, to, to talk to her, to say hi, and I never heard back from her. And I, I also tried to reach out a couple times for the documentary, and I wrote this these two letters. I wrote a letter to her, and I wrote a letter to Miss Kathy, and I never heard anything from anybody, yeah. which so kind of made me she's sad. Consistently been this way. She's consistently never wanted anything to do with anyone. She's not going to, and yeah. that's Stephanie. You know, once she's she's out, she's done. She's done. You know. Um, but I, I would have, it's just sad that, that makes me sad, uh, because we were like, we were together all the time. We were like two peas in the pot. I think you're we actually, like you're lucky track. that you didn't get more involved in the case. Like, yeah, I, was telling her that, I mean, it's a blessing because, uh, to deal with, you know, at that age, you're, we're getting ready, you know, to go to college. It was, it was senior prom, um, yeah, I think I'm. I'm part of me. I think my lucky stars that, for some reason, I wasn't there. Usually, I'm always there with someone, and for some reason, I I wasn't. 
Is that strange to you too, though? Like the one time that you're not there, this all goes down? Yeah, you can't help but think about like, you know, the other way. Like, well, maybe they did it on purpose not to let me know. They didn't let Ernest know. Um, they didn't talk about baby. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I've looked at it every single way. And it's it's so bad. I'm like, huh? I'm like, did I miss something? You know, because I don't remember. Well, that the 13th may have been absolutely nothing abnormal uh, in terms of what Jay and Adnan did. It would only be later that obviously the theorizing has uh, been to the effect of that uh, the cops got Jay in some sort of bad situation and he maybe had to fabricate a story to get himself out of trouble and Jen was his corroboration in that regard. You know, that's an alternate theory. Again, none of that would be an odd day for you. There was nothing you could do. And part of me is like, these were her best friends. They left her out. <laughs> That's so sad I, and mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's like, they could have been looking out for me too, though. You know? Yeah. Like, they could have been like, you don't need to be involved in this stuff. You, know, so you don't have like, any FOMO I, going on for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I have to say in watching, I was really grateful. First of all, it's wonderful for me to have, I think the documentary is beautifully done uh, in terms of, it seems like it really is just laying it out for everybody. And like, I could see why a jury would believe Jen. She was definitive. She seemed like she was laying her cards on the table. She admitted she lied at a, you know, on the stand about something else, you know, uh, that she had lied the first time she came and spoke with the police. Um, I thought Christy was a good witness as well. And I could see, I'd say, oh, okay, I can absolutely see why a jury might believe them. You know, so and- I'm going to disagree with you there on Jen. She, today in the film, like her now, yes, she seemed more credible. I didn't see that credibility in the, the tapes from her testimony um, at the trial. She just seemed very snarky. And she had this like, almost like beat poetry tone to it. And the way she's like, giving her lines okay i didn't see it that way um but But you didn't see her being like i don't know to me she came off as like very like snarky and disrespectful um but maybe i'm reading that yeah no for me it seemed like in in keeping with a character again i see it as an actor uh because that's what i do um it seemed in keeping with her because she was saying she didn't want to be any part of this to begin with being that she seemed a reluctant witness uh it all seemed in keeping of that Mm -hmm. so it didn't bump me per se but i also i love that they got into where hayes car was parked um i thought that was really helpful to, to actually see that area because that is not how i imagined it i mean virtually everybody is different than I imagined them. The only people who are exactly as I imagined them are Detective Ritz and McGillivray. <laughs> oh, yeah. They but are wait, ex- so, like, let me ask you something on the car. Like, because they only told us that the Hayes car was found by the parking ride. No. No, they, uh, Susan, we're, could we're you fill her in on that? No, that, well, that's what they were told. When, this is way back when. Yeah. So then when they showed it in episode two, was that where Hayes' car was parked? The official the story time? is it was found there. It was never found at the park and ride, according wow, to the official I story. I thought they found it at the park and ride. Well, as you may have seen that, uh, or there was in fact, so there's an issue with the helicopter thing. We do know from the police files that uh, one of the initial pages that was not produced in the MPIA from the case file had to do with a helicopter search that was done for Hayes' car in um, a later production there was a report on how this helicopter search was 
requested and then done, and there's no follow-up report saying what they found. Well, there was a helicopter pilot that was involved in the search who told the investigators for the documentary that he remembered finding Hayes' car at the park and ride. Oh. But there was no cooperation for it because all the documents are gone. I think it was like a fire or something. So that's one uh, thing I wondered is if the car was found at the park and ride. And also there was something that uh, that you guys had come up in the first season of Undisclosed. Uh, you'd come up with that the county police had records of running her plates at one point. Has that uh, but I noticed that wasn't in the, the documentary. Has that been uh, taken away as evidence? It's inconclusive. There's no way to know what was going on for that. If it was a search or just someone that idly who was bored at work and started running the t- I mean, there's no way to know now. Got it. So there is an, an alternate reason that somebody would enter it in the computer, not just because they had run across it. Someone could just decide to run the tags a couple times for some reason. I mean, we don't we can't explain that, but there's not there's no apparent reason. But that doesn't mean that's not the same as saying there's evidence that that was not the reason. Um, but Laura, do you recall who told you that about the park and ride? Maybe Krista. Hmm. Yeah, I I've heard remember. some of the students have been told that way back when. Yeah, that's definitely was something that I always thought that her car was just parked at the parking lot. So when I saw episode two, I was like, oh, and that's like, that's in the city. It was. Right? Yeah, it's in, off of Edmondson. It's down Edmondson. there. Yeah, it's this little like kind of vacant. Not vacant. It's just a sort of a weird, basically the roads were kind of weird there. So it's like this weird triangle section and they never mm-hmm. developed it. But do we know what happens with that grass test result? Episode four, I believe. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, I'm sure the filmmakers are saving that one. Uh, but I, yeah, I doubt that it'll be inconclusive or they wouldn't have included it in. Um, so they've got an answer either way. That's which I is, just want you know, to be a turf scientist when I grow up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the turf physiologist? Turf I was like, wow, that's fancy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the idea that the, there was a rumor that it was at the found at the park and ride is interesting because it does seem superfluous that Jay incorporated the park and ride into his story. Um, does it uh, align with one of the cell towers? Uh, well, it's so close to Woodlawn. It's it's hard to it kind of. So the Lincoln Park Tower also covered that. So like one the Lincoln Park like ping so to speak one of them is supposedly when they're at the park and ride not one in the evening one from earlier got it so there would be some justification for him throwing that in I was just thinking that so there close might close to everything it doesn't I mean it's it, it wouldn't it's really close to like just about every other place they went to that day so it's hard to say if it's necessary to include it because the cell tower stuff yeah now and in terms of the car uh, i recall there were other issues it wasn't just the grass underneath it was there grass in the wheel well as well yes from the photos and of course the fact that the uh local busybodies would have uh, <laughs> seen the car if it was there yeah. that long yeah, that's actually the most convincing thing to me because, you know, you notice something when a car, I mean, it was for all intents and purposes, their lawn. You know, they've got this big circle of grass outside their house. And, you know, if somebody leaves there, you know, and people are parking there at night, you know, uh, or was it, do people generally use it during the day to park or generally at night? It sounded like it was at night. I think it was just a general parking lot. So, like, people would be commuting. So, yeah, having one car that stays there all day, every day. Would have stood mm-hmm. out some, and had that that one car being the only car without the club may have stood out some. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If everything else has the club, and that's the one that just doesn't, that happens to not get stolen, that was very interesting to me.
Now, actually, I wanted to talk about the timeline that the show is doing constructing of when Jay is actually talking to the police before uh, he's actually brought in to uh, have his first taped confession. At one point, the uh, there's a private investigator who was brought in, who was Andrew Davis, I believe, who says that uh, according to the porn store uh, manager, that Jay had several days where he had to be out of work because he was talking to the police in their very sp- specific days. Um, but interestingly, on the uh, on the podcast that you you guys did this week, Susan, it sounded like that had been brought into question of late. Like suddenly, uh, the manager wasn't sure about that anymore. Was, is is that what? Occurred? Oh, she just didn't recall. She didn't recall Jay. Period. Oh, as an employee at all. Yeah, she didn't. Oh. She didn't remember him even. I mean, he he didn't work at the porn store that long. It was not going to be like mm-hmm. a lifelong career for him. Yeah, it, it quickly <laughs> fell apart. <laughs> so she she doesn't recall Jay. She doesn't recall police. She didn't recall private investigators. Um, yeah, well, it, that's what it wasn't so much. It was like, you know, just proven or like confirmed either way. It's like literally she was like, Jay, Jay, who got it. But we have no reason to particularly distrust the private investigators first findings from way back when, because that was back in 1999. Right. No, or we can wish you a better job documenting it. But like when they talked to Massey, what did he say? They asked if they could have talked to uh, Jay before. Um, and he's like, I can't confirm or deny that. So. <laughs> Got it. And the private investigator is still alive or no, no. he passed away a few years ago. Oh, gotcha. OK, so he can't he can't confirm this. Um, you guys. And by the way, big question left from from the documentary was, OK, they interview Chris Baskerville, who's quite a character, by the way. Yeah. Did you know him? Yep. I know Chris, too. <laughs> and, uh, OK, Chris, so Chris what is... happened between him and Jay? They had, like, what do you mean, like, what happened? Like, I mean, they were it seems or... pretty clear there had been, like, some something had happened. Yeah, he alludes to that somehow Jay either betrayed him or just bullshitted him, so... That's like, I mean, Jay did the same thing to Ernest. Like, you know, like, for some reason, Jay will uh, flip the script or, you know, it could be something small. It definitely was probably around, because this is what pissed Ernest off is, you know, you get tired of shit getting blamed on you and you didn't do it, you know, because that's what Jay would do. Just like how Chris says it. Like, that's how I, like, you, the way I listen to this stuff is, like, because I hung out with these people, like, I can tell. I can listen to them. And, I, and no, that's Chris. Chris is being honest. That's the way Chris talked, you know? And even when Jen's being, like, short or standoffish or when she gets pissed or, you know, She's getting frustrated. Yeah, I can tell because I was always with them. But that's Chris. Chris was, you know, they had like a weird guy-ish relationship. Um, Chris was just kind of, he was tall, um, lanky too, as well as Jay. Um, They did, I remember them having that nice fight that they talk about in Serial. Like they had like this weird, like Jay would punch him. Chris would punch him back harder you know, guy relationship, but it doesn't surprise me that Jay would have done something or fucked over Chris the way he's done everybody else for him not to deal with them anymore. Got it. But you don't know what that was specifically. I don't know what it was specifically, no. And also we should probably just mention Ernest is actually neighbor boy. If I was just about to say that. Chris is not neighbor boy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ernest is. Yeah. Okay, boy. boy. <laughs> and and Ernest and Jay have a similar uh, a similar uh, history of fucking each other over, I guess. No, Jay. Well, Jay would you know they were much more closer. They were more 
uh, big brother, little brother, they'd known each other before, I think even elementary school, they knew each other. Because Ernest didn't, his mom wasn't around, his grandma was raising him, just like how at one point Jay's grandparents raised him as well. So they had that bond. Um, or whatever grandma would kick Ernest out, he would go to Jay's house. So they were much, much closer than um, Chris Baskerville and Jay. Now, I have to say one of the most damning things about Ritz and McGillivary is that Jay mentions Chris Baskerville in his confession, and the police never contact him. This is a corroborating witness, could have cleaned up things tremendously, and they never contact him at all. To be fair, why didn't Chris contact them? Well, Chris is not going to go call the cops. Yeah. (laughs) Did he believe? Did he believe Jay? And if he believed Jay, why is he still hanging out with him? He believed Jay. Um, I don't know why he decided to continue to stay and hang out with him. I don't know. Chris would have to answer that. But I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I can say he believed him. Well, yeah. You know, according to Jay... You know, he's got a well, again, he's changed the story so many times. But, uh, you know, according to Jay, what does that even mean? (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. According to Jay, a non sounding off, you know, he's mad about his ex-girlfriend. The next day he gets a call. Wait, I killed her. And, you know, one imagines, you know, you'd be shocked and be like, what? And then you, you know, you help him bury the body. But, you know, you're really reluctant about it because he's your friend and you know these people. And he told you the day before and and supposedly he threatened, you, you know, Stephanie. So you can find a way to forgive that guy. You know, uh, even though he did something terrible because, it, you know, he's created a narrative that makes himself, you know, basically blameless in some respect. Well, not blameless, but I mean, you know, you understand his actions. He has he has a justification for his actions. Um, but I have a problem with I can't hang out with people who I know are dishonest. So, you know, if I know they're dishonest, there's only so much I will let them be in my life anymore. You know, uh, so but obviously that did not stop Chris. For whatever set of reasons. But I don't judge. I don't judge Chris. Um, Now, actually, I wanted to also get into the show gets into uh, Jay's extensive list of uh, altercations with the law after this. And now, was that news to you, Laura? Yeah, that's news, man. (laughs) Holy shit. What, he got 20 arrests? What did he do? He body slammed. A, a cop, cop supposedly, after yes. he was being tasered, and he had he pulled a shotgun out on them. Not, oh, the, same incident. not the same incident. Yeah, yeah not the same different incident. But... Are different incidents, but I mean, jeez, Louise. He was handcuffed uh, too for the body swimming one. Like it's honestly a little I bit impressive. So. <laughs> I bet so. I mean, and you know what? That's the stuff that Jay would like talk about, like exaggerating, like yo, I body slammed this dude. No, he did. You know, I was. Oh, shit. I don't even know. I was surprised at the amount. I wasn't surprised that he got arrested for uh, public disturbance or whatever. I remember when he was with the, his baby mother. Uh, it, he had just had his son was I met his son was probably like two or three. And I know that that relationship was not a good one going from Stephanie. Is this um, Nikisha? Yeah, the the baby mother. I know her as a baby mother. I don't know her as an ex-girlfriend or, or whatever. I know he was miserable. Um, he was living down this in the in the projects. Stephanie, I don't know if Stephanie had gotten married because I know she got married and she didn't even tell him. 
um she got married and he and i i told him and i showed him the picture and he was like i was just with her and she didn't say anything so um i you know i couldn't i what i can't believe is he wasn't ever prosecuted for anything like right he never yeah, went to court yeah, they, they never prosecuted on any charges that is fascinating to me yeah it's a it's a question that the the documentary brings up and just yeah just lets it hang there that carte blanche with the baltimore city pd i mean you body slammed a police officer and yeah. nothing yeah i'm pretty sure baltimore pd is not known for letting people walk away from things like that but yeah, that's, that was that's the one I still go back to. I'm like, I don't know how this happened. I mean, it's hard to yeah. imagine. Twenty different times, different. I mean, they look like severe. It's severe offenses. Not all of them. I mean, there's like yeah. one of them is that like we have one of the reports for one of the pullovers, and it's just an obvious like pretextual stop. They like said like, oh, he didn't turn his blinker on in time or something, yeah, and stopped okay. him and found some weed. So some of them were like that, totally bullshit. But some of them were serious. Yeah, the serious stuff. You definitely assaulted an officer. I don't know anybody that gets off with that. And my my understanding is that Ritz and McGillivary have come under some controversy lately, or or was it just just one of them? Um, they're they were they've been gone from the force for a long time. Got it. But I my understanding was a couple of them were implicated in in other wrongful convictions. Yeah, yeah. And Ritz has uh, been involved in at least four so far, known ones so far. McGillivary, I only know of one. Uh huh. And Ritz was the one with the fantastic closure rate. Yeah, the uh, incredible, the, the the absolutely incredible. <laughs> yes, incredible <laughs> is the perfect word for it. It's yeah. yes. <laughs> There's some. There might be some credibility issues with uh, with some of them. Uh, actually, Susan, I, I wanted to ask you uh, now, Laura. As you know, I'm sure uh, Adnan's uh, conviction was reinstated uh, last week in a somewhat confusing decision from the uh, Court of Appeals of Maryland. Um, but uh, Colin brought up an interesting idea of going for a thing called a reconsideration motion uh, based on a pretty fine hair splitting uh, of the law that I mostly understood. Um, did you understand it, Susan? <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, Collins post. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's, it's motions for reconsideration are just, it, even when it's like entire, like you can have an ironclad case for one and you're not going to get it. And in this case, that's times 10. I wondered, is it a bad idea strategically to file one just because it'll take so long? Um, because if you got the reconsideration, that doesn't mean that they will change necessarily the opinion. Um, correct. The they, they the change, result of the opinion. They, they can, can still the reach opinion. the same result and just change, yeah, change the way they got there. Yeah. See, as I understood it, what, what Colin was saying was they're allowed to dispute Judge Welch's uh, legal findings, but not his factual findings. And he pointed out that what the court, in effect, did was actually dispute his factual findings. Uh, is that correct, Susan? Yeah. So the whole idea is that for appeals, you're not reinventing the wheel every time. It's, you're not retrying the case. You're not redoing all that was done in the trial court. Like well, the witnesses that the trial court, their testimony, whatever the judge found to be reality is fixed reality. What you argue about going forward up the chain of appeals is like how the law applies to those facts. So the only time the courts should be changing those underlying factual findings is if uh, like those facts were clearly erroneous. Like if every witness testified that this happened on a Sunday and the judge just randomly decides, I think it happened on Wednesday with no basis in fact, that's clearly erroneous, but it's a very high standard. 
Uh, and in this case, the court dismissed an aspect of Judge Welsh's uh, opinion without finding it clearly erroneous, and they would have to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, it, you don't even I, want to talk about this, Susan, because well, you think it's such a long for reconsideration. shot. I mean, no, like, I, I, I think it might be worth it. Um, I just, I would never... I mean, there's never ever a case in the history of the universe where I'd be optimistic about a motion for consideration. <laughs> got it. Because you're, you're saying to judges, basically, you got it wrong. You have to now admit that you got it wrong. In fact, two of the judges that made the decision have to actually be the ones who say, yes, indeed, I got it wrong. You know, give me a spanking at this moment. So for lower courts, sometimes maybe the judge wants to do it because they don't want to have if they can be point, point out to them that like, oh, you really screwed this one up. The court of appeals, special appeals is going to reverse you for sure. Maybe you want to go ahead and fix it right now. Maybe that, that can make your odds a bit higher. But this is the highest court in Maryland. There is not really anyone up there to, like, watch over them. They're their own bosses. They make the law. So, like, I mean, who's going to reconsider their decision? Only them. So, yeah, why bother? Well, Laura, I wanted to thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate so much also that you participated in the documentary. Uh, you know, this, this is really helping a lot of people understand uh, everything that went down uh, back in the day. And we'd love to have you anytime you, you wanted to be on. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having us. And, you know, like Krista and I always say, it's just whatever we can do to help bring them home. You know, so if you guys want to invite me again, we're always open to just keep, you know, putting the word out and just keep keep it in the forefront. Because uh, we don't know what happens after all of this documentary stuff. It kind of like dies down and it goes back to, you know, in the back yeah. of people's minds. So we always like to just whatever we could do to bring attention to him. We haven't forgotten. And we know we have faith that he's going to come home. Well, thank you for keeping the fire burning. And thank you, Susan. And uh, hopefully we will uh, speak again next week. Yes, episode three. Yes, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Collins claiming some uh, some bombs being dropped, which uh, I'm looking forward to. It's not not the bombshell, by the way. He is uh, the bombshell, which, by the way, is now plural. Uh, now, by the way, is my understanding. Um, so I'm looking forward to those. But uh, but yeah, my understanding is those are not the ones that are in the third episode. So um, so check out the third episode next Sunday on HBO, and we'll uh, we'll keep this fight going. That's it for the addendum. Uh, remember last week I told you that Anand Syed's Legal Defense Fund has been relaunched, so you can donate at launchgood.com slash freeadnan. Please do any amount that you can. Uh, also, the Undisclosed Patreon is still up and running. That's at patreon.com slash undisclosedpod. Um, there you can find bonus episodes with Susan, Rabia, and Colin. Uh, and if you feel like checking out our website, it is undisclosed-podcast.com. Uh, there's that usual list of all the criminal justice-related charities that you can make a donation to. Uh, as I said last week, I am donating all of my fees uh, for these special episodes to the Adnan Syed Legal Defense Trust. You can follow Undisclosed on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at their handle at undisclosedpod. And send any questions with the hashtag UD Addendum. I want to thank Hannah McCarthy for audio production, Patrick Cortez, who composed our fantastic Addenda theme, and Methel Telhan, who is our project manager. And I always wind down with Methel uh, for some reason. I start very high. Uh, and then end up very low. Uh, but uh, um, thanks again, Methel, and thank you again for listening. <laughs>